0: Well, Razorback fans, Arkansas used to be tight in you. Best tied ends in the country pretty much each and every year, or at least really good ones. What happened? And will they get back to that this year? Let's talk about it on today's Locked On Razorbacks podcast. You are Locked On Razorbacks, your daily podcast on the Arkansas Razorbacks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Razorbacks podcast. I am your host, John Neighbors. I am also the host of Out of Bounds. You can catch you every weekday afternoon from 1 to 4 on 1037thebuzz and 1037thebuzz.com. Hope everybody's having a wonderful Wednesday as we're getting closer and closer to football season starting up just a mere two and a half weeks. Pretty exciting. Pretty exciting stuff. But uh, as, we, as we go on, we start to hear things from coaches and players just like we do each and every day. And I feel like that's kind of been the fun thing to do when it comes to Talking about certain things on certain days where maybe there's not a whole lot going on. You know, like maybe there's no breaking news or anything crazy, or, you know, talking about uh, all all the different types of uh, wonderful positives or negatives. Like just, you know, hey, let's go through what is being given to us. And in this particular case, I know yesterday we talked about the passing of of Alex Collins and the tragedy that it was. Uh, But we're going to kind of go through a couple of the things that we at least got to hear yesterday from tight ends and also a little bit into the offensive line as we'll discuss uh, kind of in, in both ways today on the podcast. But I wanted to start with the tight ends because the offensive line has enough to, to talk about and dive into. But the tight end position, I think we can all agree, has been vastly disappointing since Sam Pittman arrived. Now, I'm not blaming Sam Pittman for that necessarily. I know he's the head coach. I think it's just the, the offensive strategy and play calling and scheme that Kendall Bryles had didn't necessarily rely on tight ends in that position. But I think what made it so disappointing in the fact that Arkansas really had no great tight end plays, the fact that they had great tight end play for 15, 20 years, it seemed like, Um, you know, you had Mackey award winners, you had two of them with DJ Williams and Hunter Henry. Uh, You had great ones like Chris Gregg, uh, Jeremy Sprinkle, even AJ Derby was was a great guy that converted a tight end from quarterback and even played in the NFL for a little bit uh you had them you had Jason Peters who was a really good tight end and moved to offensive lineman one of the biggest tight ends you'll ever see but very athletic uh even like Cheyenne O'Grady was, was really good at the tight end position I know he had his own issues but athletically and uh, talent wise he was as, as good as any of them and it was just a weird thing to see over the past three seasons no great tight ends and I'm not trying to downplay anybody, but you know, you had Blake Kern who was all right. He made some plays here and there, but more of a blocking tight end. Uh, they tried to convert Trey Knox into a, from a wide receiver into a tight end, which I think he was all right in, in you know, he did the best he could in that circumstance. I still felt like uh, the disappointing thing is how many drop passes that he would have at crucial times last season, uh, but now he's at South Carolina. So I guess we'll see how much he develops there and maybe he'll, uh, become a bona fide tight end, but that was it. Like that's really all that stood out. I know Hudson Henry didn't have the career due to injury and other things that kept him from really blossoming into the highly recruited kid, or at least the the expectation that was put on him uh, over the past few years. That you just really had nothing, nothing to show for it. And you had some lot of you had a lot of great players, like and you had a really good offense too. So it's not like the tight end position hindered your offense from being a good offense like it was a good offense you were balanced you had passing and rushing uh, you had wide receivers that had great stats you had running backs that had great stats quarterbacks that had great stats but just didn't have the tight end just did not have the tight end that would equate to having great stats too and it was a head-scratching thing but when you start looking at and start seeing how the offense was ran and, and how it was dealt with it kind of adds up and it kind of makes sense as to say you know what Maybe this was something that just uh, wasn't meant to be when it comes to a Kennel Browse offense. But as we'll talk about more in depth next, in the next segment at least, times have changed in the offense. You have a different offensive coordinator. You have a different offensive philosophy. And as far as the tight end room goes, you have a much better, deeper, more talented tight end room than you have at any point in time since Sam Pittman has arrived. And to name just a few of them that have, have come in, you got Varkey's gums, which we know is the transfer out of North Texas and uh, was one of the, the better tight ends in the transfer portal that Arkansas was able to get. Uh, he was a freshman All-American and also an uh, All-Conference player. Then you have Francis Sherman, who's a guy that's been getting a lot of love and a lot of talk here recently. Uh, he's the transfer from Louisville which I thought was pretty fascinating when he came. I was like, the guy had no stats, but yet he's showing out really well. And I think a lot of it has to do with his blocking, which is great to have, but you got to be able to do both. But in fact, uh, Gums and Francis Sherman met with the media and they were asked like, why they come to Arkansas? And, uh, Gums said, what sold me on Arkansas? It was a lot. What he said, coming out of high school, I had some big offers. Then they, and then they pulled away from me that I planned on seeing during the season, but, uh, he didn't mention who actually did, but, Still, uh, he, he's happy to be here at Arkansas. And then Sherman is kind of the same thing who no one recruited out of Ohio. and Ended up at Louisville. Played 30 games the past three seasons. And only caught four passes. So definitely more of a blocking tight end. So you have those two guys that have transferred in. You got Tyrus Washington, who uh, I guess this is one of the most, if not the most, experienced tight end you have returning. Because he actually was on the team. I think he caught a touchdown pass in the Liberty Bowl which I thought was so funny because it was like Jefferson to Washington in the Liberty Bowl. God bless America. Out kind on of the back of that nice little joke I had. That was dumb. Um, but anyways, moving on. That's not important. But you had, he had him who was there for, uh, for a little bit, and then you have some guys that came out of the high school class, like Luke Haas. And, and, uh, well, Luke Haas, first off, was highly recruited, like high four-star, could have gone anywhere in the country, kind of that next-level player. And uh, we know that everyone was excited to see what he was going to end up doing as a freshman, especially when it's, they're trying to be tight end U, as they uh, would like to call it. But you have uh, Nathan Bax, too, who's there. And I guess he's a little bit of experienced guys. The point is you have, you have a few. You have quite a few guys that are either proven talents. Uh, you have guys that are veteran senior leaders or senior experienced guys. You have highly recruited, highly talented, raw, true freshmen, and then you just have a few others that are going to try to, you know, fill in the fill in the spots and fill in the blanks uh, of what you need. I think that this is going to be a, a much improved year at the tight end position, not only because of the talent, but because of the offense, because of Enos, because of KJ, because of everybody involved. I think it's going to be much improved, and I think that's important at a place like Arkansas. And the reason being is because. If the offensive line, for instance, will take them, we talked about concerns that they may have. If those concerns aren't fixed, then you're going to have to rely a lot on extra pass protection to which some of these tight ends can really provide. But also we know that with KJ's skill set and his ability, he can, throw, it to ball, he can throw, <clears throat> throw the ball way down the field. He can do that. He can throw uh, you know, on the run. Like We've seen him do that too. But. I feel like one of the biggest things that have been missing from his game that I would really like to see a lot more of is in the middle of the field, you know, getting to the tight ends, getting into where they just go for, if, you need, uh, you know, if it's third and four, going out and get five and six yards because they just go out and run around and stop and wait, or stop and go get it, and maybe you know, have the bigger body that can go up and get it, you know, whatever it is. They need to have that, and I think they do have it, and I think that it'll be showcased a lot more this year. I want to see Arkansas get back to that tight end you. Because tight ends are so valuable. When you get to the NFL, you know, you think of some of the best players in all of the NFL, a lot of them are tight ends. And obviously there's a very few amount that will be that athletic, that, that big, that fast, that everything. But without a doubt, Arkansas has produced some great ones. And some of the best seasons, or at least the most successful offenses that they had, a lot of times revolved around the success of who they had at tight end. I mentioned D.J. Williams and Chris Gragg, those two guys. Very much involved in the offense under Bobby Petrino. Think about Hunter Henry and AJ Derby and Jeremy Sprinkle. Those guys, very much so involved in the Dan Enos offense. And those were great offenses that you had. So you got to get back to that point. Now, is it going to happen immediately this year? Like, are these guys going to have, or is one of these guys going to be to the level of a Hunter Henry or anybody like that? I'm not going to bank on it. I'm not going to bet on it because those guys are elite players. But if you can just, by committee, maybe make it work. By committee, have a great group who is able to at least provide something to the offense where they're not just blocking and they're not just going out and going for a pass. like Balanced, balanced offenses, multiple tight end sets. Can you do those? Are you going to do those? Do you have what you need to do those? That's going to be the key for me. So I want to see what they can do with these tight ends. I want to see what they can do with the tight end position itself in the offense. And if they're able to utilize the tight end too, here's the best part about it is it's going to open up a lot more for the wide receivers on the outside. It's going to open up a lot more for the running backs and it's going to open up a lot more for KJ Jefferson. It's not only will we have more options to throw to, but if he does have to take off running, if he does have to go do something, you know, Hey, run towards that tight end that you have because you know, they're going to get the block. You know, they're going to be a big body that's going to help you out. So I want to see the tight end get there. And I want to have that position back to where it needs to be. Cause let's be honest, folks, that's, that's what we're all about. But uh, I got to tell you, though, we're, we're really excited about this uh, new sponsor that we have on the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. Listen, uh, for those of you who've been watching my ugly mug here on YouTube, if for as long as you have, you can probably say, you know what? John does not have the thickest, fullest hair of all time. Hey, you know what? You're right. It's been a struggle. I've always had this really fine hair my whole life. And it's not been very uh, very useful at times, and especially when you get older in age it's thin out a little bit. But we 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 get tired of it, and, you, and it's you just it's like man. Why why can't I have that back? Well, luckily for you, Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist recommended hair growth supplement, clinically shown to improve your hair growth with visible thickness and visible scalp coverage. All right, they have supplements that are used by physicians, and it's formulated natural, science backed ingredients, and their drug free patented technology provides consistent, reliable results without compromising any sort of other issues with your health. So. Here's the best thing about it: it works. 84% of men showed improvement in their hair after six months of taking Nutrafol Men's Hair Growth Supplements. So take the first step to visibly thicker, healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners here on Locked On Rex podcast $10 off for your first month subscription and free shipping when you go to nutrafol.com/men and you enter in promo code Locked On College. Find out why over 4,000 healthcare professionals recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com slash men. That's spelled dot com slash men and enter in promo code locked on college. That's Nutrafol.com slash men promo code locked on college. You are locked on Razorbacks, your daily podcast on the Arkansas Razorbacks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, so moving on into the next segment of the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. Um, you know, we got a chance to hear from Cody Kennedy, the offensive line coach, and uh, a few of the offensive linemen. And if you have been following along with what has been a big question that has been asked to the Razorback offensive personnel has been about the offensive changes. Because as ironically as it is, the defense changed their entire staff except for Deke Adams. And the offense changed zero of their staff except for Danny Enos. Well, I guess bringing in Morgan Turner as the uh, tight ends coach when Dal Loggins left, but still very limited amount. But you're talking about changing everybody but the offensive coordinator. Like it's a very, very unique thing. And the biggest question has been is what is the difference between the offensive philosophy or the offensive strategy from one year to the next? How has it been different? What does it look like? Is, is it better? Is it worse? Is it tough to understand? Is it tough to go through? Well, Cody Kinney was asked about this question and he was give, gave a, a pretty astounding answer and in fact the answer is very similar to what a lot of the players have said who were on the offense last year compared to what it was this year and what's kind of the biggest difference going from last year to you know a danny nose offense as an offense? i line think coach? without giving away um too many things a lot <laughs> i mean there there's you know a big change within the run game of tight end utilization uh there's a big change uh Within the multitude of protections we use. Okay. Um and, and I would say the formations um you know have changed drastically with utilizing two tight ends and things like that. Um and you know, everybody kinda asked me, Well, are you going pro style? Well, did you watch the Super Bowl? You know, you had the Chiefs and the Eagles. If that's pro style, then yes, you know, so um pro style has kind of shifted along the years and uh you know, I, I think it's really enjoyable for our guys to turn on and watch NFL tape and be like, oh, that's so and so protection. That's, oh, that's this run. That's it. That. It's very equitable. So it's Cody Kennedy talking about some of the differences in the offense, and I like how he started it with the uh, first thing is a lot. A lot is different. And just from the offensive line perspective, you can hear him go through some of the specifics of you know what exactly it is and, and how it's been different and how they're approaching it differently. and. Uh, You know whether it's uh, the type of communication or the type of lingo, but uh, there's a vast difference, and that can be, you know, for for someone who may not be fully bought in or fully on board with what the offense is or what it's going to be under Danny Eno's. You know, I I hear things like what Cody Kennedy just said and what some of the players have said, and, and how different it is, and it can be scary. Like it can be a little bit nerve wracking. Of like, okay, if it's that different. What's the issue going to be? Well, I'm not going to give like a full-fledged prediction, but here's kind of where I look at it when the offensive changes. If you remember correctly, when Arkansas first went from uh, Jim Cheney as the offense coordinator to Dan Enos, there was a lot of differences. Um, in fact, the beginning of the year, the offense did struggle at times. And you think back to, I don't want to bring up bad memories, but if you think back to uh, the game against Toledo that you lost in Rock. You scored 12 points. You had like 550 yards offense, but you only had 12 points. Uh, You lost to Texas Tech, a team that you put up 58 million points on the year before on the road, and then you lost to them at home, and you only scored, I believe, 24 points. And, of course, I think uh, Patrick Mahomes had something to do with that, too, and that win. But the point was is that the offense at the beginning of the season really didn't have a lot of gusto. It didn't really like, oh my gosh, this is this is going to be incredible. It didn't do that. Until it got going, it got figured out, and then it just seemed like the, the floodgates opened. And then the offense each and every day with Brandon Allen you know, throwing touchdown passes right and left, going for over 3,000 yards. You got Alex Collins rushing for over 1,400. It clicked, and it got going. And they put up points on everybody, everybody the rest of the way. And that's one of the biggest reasons why they ended up going five and three in the SEC, you know, the three losses being a close one to A&M in overtime, and you lost on the road to Alabama by I think thirteen points and made it respectable, and then you lost, of course, to by one point to Mississippi State at home. But the point was is that your offense was blowing them up. It was it was just getting after it, and so I think that's what's probably going to be seen this year is you're probably going to have a little bit of a transitional period, whether it's the offensive line or whether it's the wide receivers or whether it's the quarterback. It could be to where the first three, possibly four games, little by little, it's getting better, but it's not looking as effective and as efficient as you want. But I bet you it's going to click. And luckily for Arkansas, luckily for Arkansas, they have a much easier and more navigable, I think it's a word, schedule in the beginning part. Now, I'm not saying it's a guarantee, because you probably said that, we all probably said that about playing (laughs) Freaking Toledo and Texas tech that year. Like we probably all did. I'm just saying though, that it's going to be a process and you may have to wait for it a little bit to really get going. And once it does, it's going to be beautiful, but the offensive change is a lot. They're dealing with it, but it's going to be all right. It's going to be good. That's my prediction on it. at least. Folks. This episode is brought to you by Mark hell from Fable to El Dorado and everywhere in between. Mark hell has been helping Arkansas small business community for over 30 years. Mark hell is a special global insurer. With a truly people-first approach, and to them, insurance is more than just a piece of paper. It's a promise to help people get back on their feet. We spend a third of our lives working, so on-the-job injuries can be expected. You work hard to build your business, so it's important to make sure that you and your employees have the right insurance coverage. Whether you're new to business or celebrating 25 years, whether you have one employee or 1,000 employees, Markel aims to help understand your workers' compensation insurance needs. Find a local independent agent to get a free workers' compensation insurance quote today at markelinsurance.com slash locked on. That's M-A-R-K-E-L insurance.com slash locked on. Markel, insuring America's small businesses since 1930. Insurance carrier coverage, dividends, and services availability may vary by state. Markel is a registered trademark of Markel Group, Incorporated. You are locked on Razorbacks daily podcast on the Arkansas Razorbacks part of the locked on podcast network your team every day all right so final segment here on the locked on Razorbacks podcast uh let the record show I love my AD I I love Hunter Jurczyk I love him as an athletic director I think he's done a phenomenal job and I mean is it going to be perfect is everyone going to love him the same probably not but I feel like if you did a popularity poll in the state of Arkansas, or at least among Razorback fans, of the job that Hunter Yurichek has done as athletic director, chances are it'll be very, very high, like in the 90s, 90 percentile, I believe. Um, but he's done a great job. And I think not only has he done a great job, but he kind of is, I don't even say kind of, he is much more relatable as an athletic director than the previous one. Like, he's more relatable to the fan, because I believe he is a fan at heart. And he's not afraid of anybody. He's not afraid to say things. He's not afraid to say the officials are crap not afraid to, to say when things are bad and when things are good. Like, I think he has a great head on his shoulders and, and understanding uh, not only what will make the university and the athletic department do its best and make the most money, but also understanding what the fans want. And he's done a really good job of that. Well, he did a, an absolutely outstanding job on social media of this. So basically, to kind of give a little background real quick, uh, Hunter check wrote a special to the Democrat Gazette, and it was posted on Hologsports.com. And it was just a guest editorial that he wrote, basically saying, save college sports and enact an NIL policy. So what he basically went through is that uh, what a lot of ADs have wanted is that, hey, listen, NIL is great. They're benefiting from the name, image, and likeness. It's accepted as a net positive for the athletes. And it's great. It's got a lot of great things. But the problem is, is that because of California and some of the laws that they're wanting to put in, which we know that they were the ones that started it when it came to the NIL, Uh, They're putting the entire system at risk and threatens the viability of every non-revenue-generating sport in collegiate sports. This means women's and Olympic sports are facing an existential threat, and the athletes competing in these sports might lose the opportunity to compete and pursue their dreams. Um, Basically, what it's saying is that, uh, you know, in 2021, it allowed the state laws to in each individual state to prevail. But unfortunately, the current state of affairs appears to be just the tip of the iceberg because... There's also, there are a few states where NIL laws have yet to be enacted, and it's up to the individual institutions to put guidelines in place. And California apparently is trying to do another major change in legislation this year that proposed a revenue-sharing model for college athletics that will result in a complete and total upheaval of the system, where this bill, and I wasn't even aware of this until I read it, says this bill that California is trying to put in would require schools to share 50% of the revenue a sport generates with athletes of that sport after subtracting the cost of scholarships. So you're talking about football. So football players would share 50, like the schools would share 50% of their revenue that that sport generates, which is the massive, massive, like we're talking about 90%, 95% of the school's revenue that comes in because of football that schools would share 50% of that revenue of football with those athletes of football. So 50% of the revenue would go to the schools, 50% would go to the student athletes of football and football alone. The problem with that is, it's as great as it sounds on paper, the problem with it is, is that all those other sports that exist on campus because of football would go away. Arkansas has 19, I think, sports total on campus. There's some campuses that have 30. Like Stanford has 30 or whatever. The reason those sports are able to exist and able to have facilities, able to have uh, scholarships, all those things, like everything that they have is because of football. Now, basketball, a lot of places has a lot of revenue coming in, sometimes even baseball. Arkansas is one of the few schools that has all three of sports bringing in revenue, but the point is football is everything. And so when you do that and you cut it in half where football players get 50% of the revenue, then that 50% that the school gets, that is going to have to come out of a lot of the other spending that they have on these non-revenue generating sports. So, yes, it's a very big deal and it's very important and it's very much so that this needs to be enacted and California does not need to be the one. So, Hunter check just kind of laid it all out there, which I completely and totally agree with him. I love an IO, I think it's great, but I also think that there needs to be some sort of regulation and policies in it just to. Be clear. Like There has to be a, a way of saving and helping out all the other sports, non-revenue generating sports. Because I'm sorry, as much as I love Razorback football, I don't want to see Arkansas Razorback Athletic Department have four sports. Football, basketball, men's and women's, and then baseball. I don't want to see that. I want to see all these other sports exist too. I want to root for them. I want to be a fan of them. I want to see them succeed. Like you, Just everything. Even though you may not go to every game and every sporting event, doesn't mean you don't root for them. I want to see that. So, anyways, uh, that gets written. Well, Jay Billis of ESPN tweets out, finds this article, and then tweets out. And I, I, Jay Billis, is a hit or miss guy for me. Like, I, I don't mind him at times, but man, he can just some of his takes. Like, when it comes to the student athletes, especially, I'm like, dude, you got to relax. Like, it doesn't. Like, let me just read the tweet. He sees the article and he says, "The latest doomsday prediction. They said the same thing about food and stipends and any other athlete benefits. Of course." We need no guardrails for salaries and staff size and facilities or anything else. Only the athletes must be limited. Nonsense. Dude, like, what are you saying? What are you saying right now? Yes, the athletes need to be limited in the regards of taking away from all the other student-athletes. Like, you cannot have, like, you can, you- do you want, it- I'm going to ask Jay Billis this, like, do you want it to be to where the schools only have, two or three sports on campus and you just tell all the you know olympic sports or a lot of the women's sports to just you know hey sorry screw off like do you I, you do want to do that that's what it sounds like when you're having that take is that's what it would lead to if this bill got passed in california that would be a problem so many Jay bills tw- just tweets that out and then you know people are like sam was like isn't isn't the nil supposed to be out of athletic budgets outside of athletic budgets and uh some people are, are talking about you know other things too but like it's like it just feels like it's they're really trying to make it so much more than what it needs to be but either way uh hunter your check sees that and he quote tweets it and says at my personal expense i'm inviting jay billis to spend a day with me in fayetteville full transparency on our revenues and expenses for arkansas razorbacks if you were going to make a seven-figure salary covering college athletics, you should probably be educated on college athletics. And as soon as I read that, I was like, man, hit that John Cena music. Nope. Because I was like, wow. Okay, he dropped the hammer on him. Jay Bills responded and said, I've been there and loved it. What a fabulous place. I didn't sense poverty nor the end of college sports around the corner. But if that is the case for you, Division II and Division Three is open to join. Somehow, I doubt that is a serious consideration. I think he missed the entire point. I think he missed the entire point. Like, again, it's not about, th- like, yeah, they, the reason they don't have the poverty issues there is because of that Pert system that is in place. The NIL is separate, right? Yes. But because the NIL is separate right now, it's not coming out of the SEC network. Like, with the money that the SEC network gives to the University of Arkansas, all right, is like $50 million a year, right? If this rule was put in place, $25 million of that goes to football players. Like They'll say that it's about, oh, well, you know it's for all the sports. That ain't going to happen. That's not going to happen. It's going to go towards football. And all the, t- see, like all the tickets, all the, all the things, it's just football, 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 football. So that's the issue. That's what we're talking about here. Anyways, I went on a tangent. I just love the fact that Hunter check went at him. And for Jay Billis, it's like, again, I respect Jay Billis in the regard of him being a basketball analyst and all that stuff. And being a lawyer or whatever, but I'm sorry, like Jay, like you're talking to people who are ads of athletic departments who have been doing this for a long time and are really good at it. I would probably trust their judgment on it rather than you sitting there from your place there at ESPN, you know, with your with your law books, being like, oh, I disagree. Hmm. You know, like it, no, just I trust the people that are business and talk it out. Maybe it come come to Fayetteville, see what it's like. I'm sure Hundred Year Chick would glad you like to educate you on it, because I feel like you'd probably do a really good job of it too, there, Jay.